Welcome, everybody, to the new episode of the Truth and Reality podcast show. I'm your host, Anthony Roman. I am reporting in the middle of nowhere. I haven't done one of these in more than several weeks. And we have some things to talk about that, you know, it doesn't seem like I'm, I'm, I'm going back on certain things that everybody probably knows already or probably doesn't know. But this is my insight. Here is what my observations are. So... Let's first look at let's first look at um what happened in in terms of end of the season. End of the season we saw an NFL season, sorry. We saw in, uh the, towards the end of the NFL season, the NFC East have not one but four teams still in the hunt of winning the NFC East division. Teams like the Cowboys and the Eagles saw a result of the seasons not turning out the way they wanted because they were one of the most injury-plagued teams in the NFL this season. I, I truly believe that with health, um, team the Eagles and the Cowboys could have won more games. How much more? I don't know. But I do feel that injuries overtook them. Um... Long story short, the two teams that were coming in hot towards the end of the season was the Washington Redskins. I'm sorry, excuse me. You can't call them Redskins anymore. Washington and the New York Giants. The New York Giants was six and five in the last uh was six and five in the last eleven games. I believe Washington had a better uh winning percentage. They had four different quarterbacks in the entirety of it. And the New York Giants needed to win one game, and they won it against the Cowboys. And all they needed was for Washington to lose. In the Week 17, we saw an Eagles team not have a minimum of nine starters and had a whole bunch of backups, and Jalen Hurts was actually doing a decent job to keeping the Eagles in the game. And the defense was doing a good job, too. Jim Schwartz, you know, is a guy who, who, should, who should have been interviewed for a head coaching job for all the vacant spots and for whatever reason he didn't i heard a report somewhere i don't know if it's true or not he wanted to take this season off to evaluate certain things but this is a guy who year in and year out lost players and his defense still performed at a high level but lo, lo and behold third quarter game looks like it could go either way eagles look like they could pull up the upset and play spoiler and stopping the Redskins from, sorry, I did it again, stopping Washington from winning the division. He put his, Doug Peterson put in his third quarterback, which was a head scratcher for all. It was said it was to be to be planned that he was going to do this. Um, and it showed that this quarterback, Stedman, I think his name was, had no chemistry with the offensive line, had no chemistry with the offensive players and he was clearly not ready and in result the eagles went for potentially a ninth and tenth spot in the draft so i believe they moved up about three spots two to three spots in the draft i think it's between fifth and sixth right now in the draft where they could have finished maybe the season at nine playing spoiler to the giants hopes of winning the division i mean if you look at washington and what they went through the season they look they were completely the Cinderella, Cinderella story in the NFL right now. 
The head coach had cancer, ladies and gentlemen, and he beat cancer. He had to take chemotherapy. Um, Dwayne Haskins did not perform up to par, and now he's gone from Washington. Uh, Allen, I think they got hurt or just lost his spot. And they brought Alex Smith, who's went through over 10 different surgeries and started to win once he became the starting quarterback of Washington. Even though if you looked at his leg in, in those games, it's like it's it's heavily taped up, heavily braced. And it seemed, you know, Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels were actually showing how and explaining explain it very eloquently how to defend Alex Smith, push him to a certain side and he can't do anything. He's inaccurate. He's not the quarterback you need. They had a better winning percentage in the last eight games out of all the teams in the NFC East. And lo and behold, they won the game and they went into the playoffs and they lost in the playoffs. So I'll leave it at that. As a New York Giant fan, um, don't really want to give them too much credit, but it seemed like if it was any team that should have been a Cinderella story, it was them because of uh, Ron Rivera and Alex Smith just kind of being those two underdogs who've gone through so much within the last two years between the chemotherapy, cancer, and all the surgeries and all the rehabs that the that Alex Smith had to go through. But lo and behold, because of Doug Peterson taking Jalen Hurts out, he got fired. Now, let me say this. I'm not an Eagles fan. But if you look at what Doug Peterson has done the past three to four years as the Eagles coach, he has actually done a remarkable job. This is a team that consistently is one of the top five teams that was had uh, injuries, have the most injuries in the NFL. I mean, their offensive line lost majority of its players. Brandon Brooks um, got hurt. Andrew Dillard got hurt. Jason Peters got hurt. Lane Johnson got hurt. I mean, the whole offensive line that if they had played together was probably a top five, top 10 offensive line if they had played the whole season. Carson Wentz just couldn't seem to hold down to the, the ball, and he showed that a great offensive line helps any um, quarterback or any offense from, uh, from producing great numbers and producing good. He just showed that when the pressure was on, he could not hold on to that ball and he, that he could throw in the end in the, in that he would throw interceptions. Excuse me for that stutter. But Jalen Hurts came in and Jalen Hurts was a head scratch in the beginning of the season because how do you make Carson Wentz a 30-something million dollar quarterback just to have him ride the bench? Just to say, mm, maybe we're going to trade him in the offseason. Why would you why would you draft Jalen Hurts? Why not draft um players of need, players of uh areas of weakness that you have on the team? Why not do that? Now listen, Jalen Hurts for the short term of what he was able to produce did good for for the Eagles. But now the Eagles have a problem. The Eagles are looking for a new coach, are looking f- to see if they can rekindle a uh, relationship with Carson Wentz. And then how do you explain to Jalen Hurts? Well, you know, thank you for your three or four games that you started, but now, now is your time to ride the bench. Is this like, head, head, it's, head, it's like a, a big head scratcher. How can you, is this a team that looks like it's destined not to overcome this? Because 
one of the things you can never do is let players have success and then think that they're going to be okay with riding the bench for whatever reason that you feel is um, good. But long story short, Eagles didn't make the playoffs. Cowboys didn't make the playoffs. The Giants didn't make the playoffs. Washington made it. They lost to the Buccaneers. Tom Brady is the GOAT, ladies and gentlemen, because this current week, he went against the Saints. And while Drew Brees did not look like Drew Brees, let's be realistic about one thing. This was also a team that didn't have Taysom Hill, who was a guy who they used for certain plays to gain yards. Michael Thomas shouldn't have been playing. He's a guy who's who's going to have at least two surgeries this offseason. He was playing hurt. He wasn't playing healthy. So I feel if he was healthy and if Hill was there, certain things would have looked different on the offensive side of the ball. But lo and behold, the two old men look like age didn't play a factor. Or maybe in Drew Brees, it looked more like age did play a factor. But Tom Brady showed with weapons and a good offensive line, he could still lead a team into the playoffs and into a conference championship like he had did like, like he had did with the Patriots for so many years. So that's the that's the story about that. I mean, right now we got the Packers who did the same thing that the Eagles did and Carson, Carson Wentz couldn't perform up to par and Polly didn't perform up to par because of because of the injuries. Um the Packers right now, I don't even know who, who the guy they drafted, but they drafted the quarterback. And it was a head-scratcher because they still have two or three years left in a contract with Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is still a top five, top ten quarterback in the league who, in response to the drafting a quarterback, had one of his best seasons ever. You know, a lot of people have said, you know, why draft a young quarterback? Why not draft a weapon that, that could help him in the offense? But they didn't really draft good prospects out of the draft. They drafted a quarterback who may get a chance in the next two or three years or may not get a chance at all. But the Packers have performed well. And they're in the NFC Conference Championship with the Buccaneers. You know, as of right now, you know, who do I want to win? And that's crazy. None of the teams. You know, these these are not Cinderella teams. These are not teams that haven't seen the Super Bowl or NFC Conf- uh, Championship within the last 20 years. These are two teams that, you know, Buccaneers have reversed their, their where they were a couple of years ago. So you kind of give it to them as a team that hasn't seen continued success like the Packers have the past 10 plus years. But anyway... No Cinderella team in the NFC Conference. Who's going to win? You know, who's going to win? I think the Packers will win. The Packers will win and will go to the Super Bowl. I I think that because Aaron Rodgers looks unstoppable. Um, You know, the reality is that the Packers... 
Packers have a better team as of right now. I just think that they're a better team. They have a better cornerback in Alexander. I think that's his name. Corey Alexander. We're probably getting it wrong. Uh, they have one of the best pass rushers in Smith. And Edwin Rodgers is playing great. They have a great one-two punch with Jones and Williams. Uh, Adams looks great. And they look good. Right now, the Buccaneers, Jones doesn't look like Jones, Ronald Jones. Antonio Brown looks hurt, but he was really wasn't that much of a factor. Gronk looks like an old tight end. He's never been that continuous force of a great pass catching. He looks average at most right now in his career, which is still works for him and for the Buccaneers. Um, but if any team wins between the Buccaneers, my choice is Packers over Buccaneers. Um, heading to the AOC Conference... The Chiefs were able to hold off the Browns, who Browns were my my team that I was rooting for. You know, my Giants are not here, but let's be realistic about the Browns. The Browns have not have have not had continuous success within the last thirty years. They are not a team that we have seen in the AFC Conference Championship at all within the last thirty years. They are a team that, at one time, were told pack your bags. We're starting a new team in Baltimore, and we're going to call them the Ravens. And then all of a sudden, they brought them back. And within the last 20 years, they have had numerous different quarterbacks drafted in, at least three to five different quarterbacks drafted in the first round. And none have been ever able to to perform up to par. Baker Mayfield looks like a different character in comparison to guys like, I think it was Tim Crouch and guys like Johnny Menzel. Both guys who didn't have a long career in the NFL or any success in the NFL. But lo and behold, that was my team. If there was any team that I was going to root for in these, in, in, in these NFL playoffs, it was the Browns. Browns lost. Browns looked like kind of, kind of the way the Steelers looked towards the end of the third quarter and the beginning of the fourth quarter. Like they had a chance to come back to possibly tie the game, maybe even win because the because of the way the defense was stopping, you know, uh the Chiefs and they were scoring. It just felt like maybe they had a chance. And mid fourth quarter, late fourth quarter, the Chiefs just even with Mahomes out with concussion, uh the defense just woke up and it looked like the Browns just had no shot of even coming back. The way the defense was able to um, stop them continuously, in, not continuously, uh, the way the Chiefs' defense was able to stop them in the fourth quarter. So the Chiefs are going to the AFC Conference. Mahomes is doing some light workouts, even though he has a concussion. And the Buffalo Bills, okay. So the Buffalo Bills are the first team to win the AFC, AFC division in multiple years. The Pats seem like they've won at least 20 division titles. Maybe it's a little bit less. But more or less, it just feels like, like they just continuously dominated. They were like the Atlanta Braves. Actually, that's a bad comparison. Even though Atlanta Braves won about 10 to 12 division titles before they lost one. They also only won, I think, one World Series in that time span and always kind of failed in the playoffs. Um, Eagle, uh, the 
Pats really didn't fail. They've won, they won multiple Super Bowls. They lost multiple Super Bowls, but the they were a great team while Tom Brady was there. But they're not there. And now Buffalo's getting to Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills, ladies and gentlemen, if you listen to my earlier podcast, they have proven me right, ladies and gentlemen. And and how do they prove me right? You know, last season they had a, a winning record and they performed well, but they showed the limitations on offense. And the reason why they showed that was John Brown was never a number one wide receiver in any of the teams that he was he ever played for. And Beasley was never an, a number two wide receiver in any of the team. He was a great slot receiver, but not a number two receiver. But both produced great numbers. This past offseason, the Minnesota Vikings felt like they had to restructure the team to a certain way. Let certain teams, let certain players go through free agency, and trade players like Diggs. And I said, and I felt it, that you know, adding Diggs would take this passing game to another dimension. If they could produce good numbers without a true number one wide receiver, what can they do with a true number one wide receiver? And Diggs showed to be the difference maker. Allen had a great season. Diggs had a great season. Um, the offense looked much better than it did last year. The defense looked just as good as last year. And now they're going to the AFC ch- Championship. I mean, probably the first time since the 90s that they have been able to do this. And this is the team that I'm actually looking at to, to win a Super Bowl. And people say, why are you rooting for the Buffalo Bills? They're not an underdog. They're not a Cinderella team. But here's why. In the 90s, ladies and gentlemen, if you know your history, football history, this is a team that probably went to the Super Bowl about three times, maybe more, and lost every time. Every time they made the Super Bowl, they lost. Jim Kelly has never won a Super Bowl. He knows what it's like to lead a team into the Super Bowl. Never won. My Giants beat them. I think the Cowboys beat them. And I think even the Redskins, excuse me, the Washington football team uh, beat them. And they never won. And this is a team that always seemed to trying to find a, a, a formula to, to make them good in either in defense, or off, de- defense, in defense or offense. And some things work for a tiny bit. And it seems like every time things start to work, the team wants to rebuild for whatever reason. But lo and behold, they're in the AFC Championship against the Kansas City Chiefs. Listen, Kansas City Chiefs are, are a great team. They won, they won the Super Bowl last year. But you know what? If you're not the New York Giants, I am not going to root for your, you to win, continuous, uh, to win back-to-back championships. So... I want the Bills to win, and if the Bills are able to go into the uh, to go to the Super Bowl, I want the Bills to beat the Packers if it's the Packers or if it's the Buccaneers. So that's all I gotta say right now about the NFL. Um, this off season for the MLB has been particularly very slow. There's still. Numerous free agents out there that could be a key factor on numerous teams. Uh, 
guys like Trevor Brower, Brewer, uh, the Cy Young, still not signed. George Springer, Springer just signed with the Blue Jay, uh, with the Blue Jays. And it's, it's slow. The New York Mets have showed that that uh, that they want to progress. They want to make the playoffs. So they got guys like Trevor May to make the bullpen stronger. They got guys like James McCann who looks like a better catcher than Wilson Ramos. They hope that Jason McCann's ability to frame pitches and his offense can contribute in, in a way that maybe Wilson Ramos couldn't uh couldn't couldn't do. They made a trade for Francis Landier from Cleveland uh from Cleveland. Can't call them the Cleveland Indians anymore, ladies and gentlemen. They just called Cleveland. And it was a great trade for the for the New York Mets. They they got a twenty seven year old shortstop who is great, who has gold glove potential, who has great offensive numbers, who people are already putting on his resume that he has the potential of making the Hall of Fame if he continues doing what he's doing currently right now. Great move for the for the New York Mets. They got a guy who could be franchise of, of the team. The question of the day is, can they sign him to an extension? Because, ladies and gentlemen, this is his final arbitrated, arbitrated year. So it means after this season, the giant, the New York Mets have a chance to offer him a qualifying offer, which he has the right to reject and basically go into free agency. Or he can accept if he wanted to. But he looks like a guy who maybe who's probably going to look for a 8 to 10 year contract and at the minimum of making 30 per year so he wants to make at least 300 million to uh at least 240 between 240 and 300 million in his next paycheck if the years are between 8 and 10 great move um in the last 24 hours the Blue Jays have signed three players. They have gotten Michael Brentley. They've gotten George Springer, who's a uh got George Springer and Brentley both come from the Houston Astros. And Kirby Yates, who pitched last year for the San Diego. Now Kirby Yates didn't have a great season, but prior to last season, he had great numbers as a closer and as a setup uh reliever for the Padres. So he's a great addition to the bullpen. Now here's the head head scratcher. Today I you know I like to analyze m- moves. I like to analyze different signings and trades and seeing how does it make sense for this player to go on this team. One of the thing I look at look at sometimes is the body lineup. You know, last in an American League, there is one to nine. Is the eight position players and the DH. So the question of the day is what f- performed up to par offensively and what didn't? And what I did with this research and I looked into it, and then I also look, I'm sorry, not just the batting order, I also look at position players. You know, listen, they're guys who perform great defensively, but offensively, they can never be the player that you need them to be. So I looked I looked into the Blue Jays and what do they need? And I saw last year in the first two months of the season, 
they had an ear rate under four. And then the last month, they had one of the worst ear rates in, in the major leagues where the ear rate ballooned to over five after it being under four for the first two months. But in the third month, it was horrible. They were still able to make the postseason because the major leagues the major leagues expanded expanded its uh formula of who goes to the playoffs. So this previous uh se- the twenty twenty season we saw in baseball have I think a minimum of sixteen teams make the playoffs in comparisons to five. So Blue Jays still made it, but the question of the day is what were they gonna do? to improve in areas of weakness. Now, if you're if you're pitching balloon to over five in the last month, the question of the day is what happened? Did teams just all of a sudden figure out the pitches you had? Did injuries overtake uh overtake you and your your pitching just couldn't match up? Did the did the coaches fail did the manager fail you? By, by taking a pitcher out too soon when he probably should have kept it in a little longer, a little shorter. So when you see that your, your pitching was that low, in my own hindsight, I would say Kirby Yates would be great and probably signing another pitcher would be great too. And then I, I dig deeper. You know, what in terms of position players didn't perform well collectively? And if you look at the Toronto Blue Jays, ladies and gentlemen, collectively, all the catchers that had had that started for the Toronto Blue Jays collectively hit under two hundred, which says okay, complete weakness. F. The 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 it says that they cannot go into the twenty twenty one season with these three catchers as a as a starter one of them could be a one of them could be a, a definitely a, a backup a guy who could frames pitches good a guy who plays great defense a guy who could throw guys out when they're trying to steal but beyond that he can't be a starter because he's just not going to perform offensively the way you need it did they go and look at a catcher no actually within the past month or maybe more it was rumored that the New York Mets and the Toronto Blue Jays were the two front runners for George Springer. Now, let's focus on Springer for a second before I go back on what I was talking about. Did Toronto need a new center fielder? Did, did this center fielder either produce horrible offensively or was atrocious in center field? Well, you say, if you're saying offensively what what their what their center field did for them actually performed well actually collectively their outfield produced good numbers for the team it was actually their it was something that made the offense look good it looked like their uh, their offensive uh production was pretty good for an outfield so the idea that the center fielders collectively hit over 280 doesn't doesn't say they necessarily need a new uh, center fielder, unless the center fielder produced horrible numbers on on defense. 
let's go back. So your catcher hit under 200. Let's look at the third third baseman. Third baseman hit over under 252. So the, these are the two weaknesses on the team. So my own point of view, if you take a step back, this is what I'm going to focus on before I focus on defense. I mean, not defense. Before I focus on the center field and Springer. But for whatever reason, they felt like Springer is a, a difference maker and not upgrading their third base situation, not upgrading the catcher. And this is, this is why they're going to fail again. Because you can't have players who can't produce offense, uh, de- offensively. You already give your opponents a game plan on how to approach your, your team. You're already saying, okay, these are the players that can't perform well. Okay, how do we, how do we get these players to come up to bat, especially in the 8th and ninth inning, where we can either close out games or in certain games we could stay in games because we know this player is not going to perform. This player is not clutch. He doesn't have a great uh, batting average. He's just not going to produce. And you can come up with a game plan, game plan, excuse me, and do it. May not always fall in your favor, but lo and behold, it's something that could happen. But ladies and gentlemen, last night they went six years, 150, and they signed George Springer, when the weaknesses are still at third base and and catcher. And then there was a report earlier today that Michael Brentley signed with them, but Ken Rosenthal took that that report back and said it took it back and says that it's not completed yet and there's still things to work out. But lo and behold, there too, your DH had good numbers. He had over 280. Why do you need a DH like Michael Brentley. You do not need, need Michael Brentley. And this is where teams sometimes fall into holes. You focus so much in one area and neglect others that you end up failing more than, than, than being successful. The Blue Jays will not be a great team this year. I, unless Until I see them make more moves to upgrade the pitching, to upgrade the third baseman situation, to upgrade the catcher, this is a team that just basically focused on two spots they didn't need any help on at all. If they wouldn't put any money out there towards any player, I, I would have said put it towards guys like Hand, Brett Hand, and guys like uh, Trevor Brower, a Brewer, probably saying his name wrong, and guys like DJ Mahoo, who just recently resigned with their New York Yankees. Offseason is not done, ladies and gentlemen. The question of the day is, does the Blue Jays still want to shell out this money? Or do the Blue Jays not make any more moves? As of right now, they just said our offense is w- is where we need to focus on. I mean, here's another statistic that I didn't even say, ladies and gentlemen. They were second in the major leagues and giving up the most walks in the league. When you produce the second most walks in the league, you're also showing teams that you you that it's easy to come back on your team. That it, that maybe if you're you have the key players in at the right time, 
that they're going to score. Why? Because most likely this team will produce, not produce, yeah, that this team, the Blue Jays, will give up a walk. You could bun the guy over to second and potentially hit a single and score if it's a game tied up in the, towards the, between the seventh and ninth inning or even in extra innings. But this is what the, the Blue Jays did. I don't think it's right. As a New York Met, I did want George Springer because I kind of felt in, I. It's easy to fall into like this whole thing, like oh, we didn't this guy. Oh, where's he ranked? I wanted George Springer because one, he was great defensively. Two, he was great defensively and offensively, and he was Puerto Rican from Connecticut. But if you take a step back, the Mets. If the Mets had signed George Springer, it may it, it would have trickled down, affecting other areas of the team. Do they have the money to re-sign Francis Lindor to a contract extension? Do they have the money to sign Michael Conforto, who's actually four year, four to five years younger than George uh, Springer? Michael Conforto is twenty seven. George Springer will be thirty two this year. At the end of his contract, he will be thirty eight. While if you sign a guy like Mark Michael Conforto, he probably can't get the $25 million like George Springer. But after six years, he's 33 years old in comparison to a 38-year-old player who is most likely not going to be a center fielder towards the, end of his con- towards the end of his contract. DH to a potential corner position is going to be his basically be his spot within the next three years most likely or even four but i like an idea of what people have been saying in twitter rather than give this big contract to george springer split that money that you would probably give to him and add these two pieces and the two pieces they were saying is get jack bradley jr who defensively would be a tremendous upgrade to whatever the to to whatever the Mets had last year, which was Brandon Nemo and others. Brandon Nemo, not horrible offensively, defensively, in terms of this whole defensive uh, metrics that the measure teams, uh, measure players. He was one of the worst defensive uh, center fielders out there. Probably a, he's more of an average left fielder if given the opportunity. That was one of the reasons why we wanted George Springer. I liked George Springer because he brought the defense and the offense and the playoff experience, among other stuff, like I mentioned earlier. Um, let me mention I'm un- unscripted. I'm just winging it, freestyling, picking different issues. I just know because I've done research, a little research here and there. And you could differ with me if you're wanting and say, what the heck is this guy talking about? Again, remember... This is unscripted. I have no notepad in front of me. I'm winging it, freestyling it, if you want to call it. Um, but people say, okay, sign Jake Bradley Jr. We don't, we don't really need the impact bat as much as we need that defensive presence in the outfield, in center field. Which I say to that is true. Now, Jack Bradley is not just good defensively. He's also could produce uh, offensively. But one of the reasons why I also did my research on him is 
The spot where he potentially would be in the lineup is probably towards between the 7th, 8th, and ninth spot in the lineup, which is probably an area where we really need to place any new player at. We don't need any player between 1 and 6. Once we got Francis Lindier, we showed a top of our order, and the middle of our order looks very strong. And you don't put a star player like George Springer at 7th or 8th in the batting lineup. You just don't do that. But a Bradley, you do. Because Bradley is not a 70 to 100 RBI guy. He's not a guy who's going to hit between 25 home runs and 30 home runs. He's going to produce decent numbers. But most, most importantly, he's going to be a great center fielder who has the potential of winning a goal love. And that's what the Mets need. Because when you look at pitchers, all pitchers tend to have things get to the head. And what I mean by that is when your team, when a pitch, starting pitcher doesn't get the run support, it messes up the game of, of a starting pitcher because it feels like whatever I do, these guys don't have my back. They continuously only score two runs every time I start. I keep on losing these games with a decent ERA going deep into the games. And because I get no run support, my win-loss total doesn't look great at all. You know, Jacob DeGrum did win a Cy Young. I think it was 10-9, and 9, but he had a great ERA, great in innings, great strikeouts. He just looked great altogether, but he had no run support. That's why, to, to a lot of people, him having a 10-win, uh, a total of 10 wins and winning the Cy Young just doesn't go together. Maybe 14 minimum in terms of, of what a Cy Young could do. Or, or, or could be. But majority of the time, when you look at guys who are top three in terms of being voted into being the Cy Young, a lot of the time, the guys have over 200 innings or 15 wins, etc., etc., etc. Completely forgot what I was talking about. Anyway. So let's, oh yeah, our pitchers. Okay, so defense has to be good and run support has to be good. Defense has to be good because it has to be good too, also too, because you don't want your infield look like an infield who can't catch who can't catch a uh, a ball or can't field a grounder. It looks like every time he gets a grounder, it bobbles or the third baseman doesn't have an arm. He can, he can, he can get the grounder, any grounder that comes his way, but because his arm is so weak, almost anybody can can make it to first. So most, like I was saying, run support and good defense. Last season, defensively, our catcher Wilson Ramos was couldn't was not a great catcher in throwing throwing out players. He he was a poor pitcher frame pitch frame catcher. Which if you don't know what pitch frame means that usually means that when the ball is catched by the catcher he frames it in such a way that falls in the favor of his team where it's either call a strike majority of the time and if you can make certain uh pitches look like a strike when it's technically still a ball your de defensive metrics your 
your your ability to, of being a great catcher gets like boosted up tremendously, and it makes the pitchers it calms down the pitchers because they feel like man, this guy's gonna make me look better than what I am. And sometimes pitchers, for whatever reason, need that confidence in them because they seem. I mean, they're not gonna. If any pitcher ever listened to me, they're not gonna like this next comment. Pitchers tend to be fall under pressure when the umpires don't call strikes in their favor, when they don't get run support, when they have the defense not playing well. For whatever reason, they cannot collect the darts and get back to the dominating pitcher that they were prior to any of the things that they didn't like. It seems like whenever they experience it, they just, for whatever reason, can collect their thoughts and rebound. Some do. I'm not going to say none of them don't because that's a lie. But long story short, yeah, that's why we need Jake Bradley. His defense, he's perfect for the spot that he puts in the lineup. He gives us an opportunity to the New York Mets to re-sign both Michael Conferto and probably even Francis Lindia to a contract extension. And then he gives us an opportunity, the New York Mets, a chance to sign Hand. I think his name is Brett Hand. Oh, Brad Hand. I'm sorry. His name is Brad Hand. Uh, lefty reliever who just had a great season with Cleveland. Um, and lo and behold, if they sign these two guys, they make the the bullpen stronger, they upgrade their defense, and Michael, I mean, Jake Bradley uh, Jr. is a f- perfect complementary player who you want, you know, and this makes sense, you fill in two holes, you make two things in, in the roster look stronger than it was before, rather than strengthen one, and then scramble and looking for a guy who they could probably sign in a minor league contract, or sign some guy for a low contract who maybe he's going to perform great. But in terms of the percentage of being good majority of the time, like uh, a hand w- will probably be, uh, shows, you know, is what you need. Um, did I see his name? Yeah, Brad Hand. Anyway, um, basketball season's back. LeBron looks great. Antonio Davis looks great. Um... My New York Knicks are one of the top defensive teams in the NBA. You know, right now, they're staying in games. Julius Randle looks like the guy who we wanted last year, who we didn't get at all. Um, RG Barrett is improving slightly. Uh, Payton, I'm probably going to say his name, Alfred Payton, is actually perform- having a good year too. Uh, topping is good. Emmanuel quickly from Kentucky. Oh my God, ladies and gentlemen, he he does look like a steal. He has this floater that just seems like it can't, it cannot miss. And a lot of players, a lot of fans may not like it because it's not a dunk or what have you. But it's a floater, and it's like, listen, at perfect timing, any center in the olden days, I have to say it like that or the 90s and early 2000s, can block that shot. Because he's doing the floaters at least 5 to 10, 10 feet away, which gives more than enough space for a center, maybe even a power forward, to block it. Um, To block it, and yet he can't miss. I like that 
defense is performing well. That was one of the strengths that the New York Knicks had for over 10 years prior to this whole downward spiral that they've been going through the last uh, 20 years. Um, defense is strong. Great young players. Great team. I hope, you know, more than anything, you know, playoffs would be great. Being over 500 would be great. But for me, as of right now, I'll take progress. Rather than a team that you look at, it's like, man, they didn't improve in any area. And even in certain areas, they look like they regressed. But New York Knicks look stronger than, than they have the past several seasons. Hopefully they can maintain this success that they've been experiencing the last uh, this whole season. The season is 72 games, ladies and gentlemen, not 82 games. Um, a strange season. Now we have James Harden in the Brooklyn Nets, which I, I don't think it's going to work. Only because you got players like Irving and Harden who like having the ball a lot. They like shooting the ball a lot. They don't look like guys who could perform uh, 20 attempts or less. I just don't see Harden do that. Harden do that or an Irving do that. I could see them sacrificing a few attempts than what they do normally in the game. But other than that, we'll see what happens. You know, it's so crazy that that the Nets are asking Steve Nash, a guy who's never been an assistant coach, a guy who's was a successful point guard in the in the NBA for a lot of seasons, to take on this task of getting three players, molding these three players to have the perfect chemistry. To be the perfect team that goes into the NBA Finals and being competitive with a team like the Lakers in an in, in NBA championship. I just think it's crazy. It's either building him for success or building him up to fail because there will be times when these players will not perform up to par or look unhappy because they're not getting the ball enough. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I could talk to you all day. My throat is actually getting kind of dry. As you can tell, stay safe with your mask. Hopefully towards the end of the year, we can all be back watching a sport together at least at 50 or 75% capacity rather than this 20% or 25% capacity that some uh, football teams are being allowed to. So wear your mask. Enjoy the inauguration. Be safe. And remember... You're listening to the Truth and Reality Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Roman. You can follow me on Instagram and leave a comment or just follow. Uh, Tell your friend. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. God bless.